Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Todd McComas, and today is Thursday, the only day of the week that starts with the th sound. And we appreciate you tuning in because we know how taxing, crunching numbers or developing AI technology to take over the world can be. So without further delay, let's hand this show over to real-life human, Laura Benson. A tow truck driver has a bad morning. Forgetful babysitters, AI makes a big mistake. Baby powder bites back. And apparently, God doesn't know how crypto works either. All this and more coming up on This Day in Crime. I'm Laura Benson, and today is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Today, I'm going to kick off with a couple of stories of things, well, actually, people, left behind where they shouldn't have been. Remember the people at Walmart memes? Well, this raises that playful memory to a whole new level of things that go on at that superstore. Authorities in Pennsylvania continued to search for three shoplifters who ran out of a Walmart in Philadelphia earlier this week and left behind something pretty important a three-month-old baby girl. Walmart security guards approached two men and one woman at around 11 p.m. on Thursday of last week about suspected shoplifting, but all three of them bolted quickly out the door. Guards were baffled to find that the individuals had left behind a three-month-old child. The little one was taken to a local hospital and soon reunited with her mom, who was none of the three shoplifters. No warrants have been issued yet, and how these horrible babysitters were connected to the baby is still unclear to the police, but I'm sure the mom must know who they are. Or at least I hope so. After reading through this story a few times in a couple different places, I'm honestly wondering if they maybe borrowed the baby specifically to leave her behind as a distraction so they could steal stuff. I guess it's a kind of solid plan, it's just really disturbing. Speaking of disturbing, a tow truck employee in North Carolina got the fright of his life when he discovered the body of a woman in a trunk of a car towed to the company's impound lot. On Monday, Jordan Thomas, 29, was charged with the murder of 19-year-old Amaria Smith, who had been found in the trunk of his abandoned car in Beaufort County, North Carolina, on January 17th. According to investigators, Thomas left his car in a Tyco parking lot and stole a truck from that location, which was later located in a hospital parking lot where he was arrested. The tow company was called in to move the car after it had been abandoned, hence the discovery of Smith. I really hope that tow driver got the rest of his day off after finding her. Investigators are still working to determine how and where Smith was murdered, though evidence was found in Thomas's residence in a nearby town. It's clear that Thomas and Smith knew each other, but reports haven't yet been released of the nature of their relationship, or many more details to be honest. 
Smith was a sophomore at Elizabeth City State University, studying early childhood education and was clearly very well loved. The chancellor of the school, Dr. Carrie Dixon, addressed the community in a statement, quote, her untimely death, which occurred off campus, has left our community saddened. Please keep Amaria's family and loved ones in your thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. I'm really sorry, but I just have to point out, the chancellor is very set on pointing out that the university has had nothing to do with this tragic death. I couldn't help myself from chuckling. Don't worry, Chancellor. University admissions will be fine. If you're like me, and you kind of freak out from time to time about the future of technology in our lives, here's another thing you can add to the list of scary tech things that can go wrong. A 61-year-old man who was falsely identified by facial recognition software in a 2022 Sunglass Hut robbery is suing two companies for using the mistake-prone technology as the primary identifier in having him arrested. Following the arrest, Harvey Eugene Murphy Jr., what a name, right, was held in jail for a number of days in Texas and was sexually assaulted while there. He is suing Sunglass Hut's parent company, Essilor Luxotica, and Macy's, a company partner, for long-term injuries and damages. One wild thing about this case is that Murphy wasn't even residing in Texas at the time of the robbery or the arrest. He had been living in California. When he came back to Texas on a trip and went to the DMV to renew his driver's license, he was approached by a police officer who let him know there was a warrant out for his arrest for aggravated robbery. I think this is the first indicator that he was wrongfully identified. If he was wanted in Texas, I doubt he would have flown back and walked right into a county office with his ID. Murphy, quote, almost thought it was a joke. Still, he was arrested and held in jail for 10 days. It is during this time that Murphy alleges he was beaten and sexually assaulted. When his alibi was confirmed, yes, he had in fact been a thousand miles away in another state during the robbery, the charges were dropped and he was released. Murphy only discovered two weeks ago while working with his attorney that facial recognition software was used, hence the belated lawsuit. Facial recognition software combs through security footage and other images of crime scenes to match faces with a huge database of booking photos as well as driver's license photos. Murphy's case is the seventh known case of wrongful arrest due to the technology that has been widely adopted by police departments and retailers in the U.S. However, up till now, it has primarily misidentified Black, Latino, and Asian people. Of the seven known cases of false identification due to this technology, Murphy is the first white man who this has been a problem for. Just last month, Rite Aid settled a lawsuit with the Federal Trade Commission for using a facial recognition system that misidentified Black, Latino, and Asian customers as people previously identified as, quote, likely to engage in shoplifting. What? No, 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 no. Fortunately, Rite Aid has had to halt using the tech for five years. However, many other companies still use it. Hopefully Murphy's case, and I imagine many other cases that will pop up because this is very flawed technology, will lead to reform in the tech itself as well as the use of it. Do you hate when I interrupt this part of the show? Then sign up for Tenderfoot Plus and listen ad-free. Otherwise, we'll be back after this message. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. A Denver pastor and his wife are in trouble this week after pocketing over a million dollars from Christian donors in a cryptocurrency scam. Denver-based Eli Regalado and his wife, Caitlin, are facing civil fraud charges after the pair allegedly marketed their practically worthless cryptocurrency, called IndexCoin, to Christian communities in Denver. To sweeten the pot, Regalado is on record saying that, quote, God told him people would become wealthy if they invested. Come on, man. This is kind of the oldest trick in the book. Maybe it worked since crypto is so new and mysterious. I don't know. Despite having no experience in cryptocurrency, Regalado created his own currency, IndexCoin, and owned and operated the Kingdom Wealth Exchange, which is admittedly a very catchy name for a crypto site. Now, Regalado claims that he did not try to rip people off, and that he was following guidance directly from God when suggesting investment. However, that does not explain why he and his wife pocketed $1.3 million worth of investments. According to attorney documents, the Regalados bought a Range Rover, jewelry, luxury handbags, cosmetic dentistry, boat rentals, and snowmobile adventures, paid for their au pair, and renovated their home. Eli has admitted to this part, saying in a video that, quote, out of the $1.3 million, half a million dollars went to the IRS, uh-huh, and a few hundred thousand dollars went to a home remodel the Lord told us to do. Right. I think that God meant you should remodel his house. Maybe put some of that money back into the church, at least? Oh, wait, what's that? Oh, they they also sent $290,000 to their church, which does not actually have a brick-and-mortar location. So, I guess remodeling his home was kind of like remodeling the church? We'll have to ask God about that one. Due to instability of the market and liquidity shortcomings that were created by Regalado and his wife taking money out of the exchange and, well, spending it, they had to periodically shut down the site to avoid the equivalent of a run on a bank, i.e. too many people pulling out money at once. Both IndexCoin and the exchange were finally shut down completely last November, and investors were left scrambling. Because index coins can only be traded on the exchange that no longer exists, investors have no way to recoup their money with the site shut down. Prosecutors hope to recover some money in court. The pair are scheduled to appear in Denver District Court next week, which should be pretty interesting. Before I wrap up today, I'll leave you with one more story of my favorite type. Big companies being held accountable. Yay! America's favorite pharmaceutical company with the most adorable ads, Johnson & Johnson, reached a tentative settlement with 40 states on Tuesday to resolve investigations into whether the company misled patients about the safety of its talc baby powder and other talc products. The company will pay $700 million to settle states' claims. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but from what I know, usually companies want to settle lawsuits when they don't want courts digging deep into the topic. A settlement happens before a court makes a decision, so usually they happen in the cases when companies know it'll be worse for them for people to nose around, and they just try to throw money at it to make it go away. But I digress. This settlement does not resolve the tens of thousands of other lawsuits, some of which are slated to go to trial this year, alleging that those talc-based products caused cancer. J&J has long maintained its talc-based products are safe. 
However, the company pulled these powders off the market in North America in 2020 and pulled their talc powders off of shelves globally in 2023. They now offer a product that uses cornstarch instead. I'm sure talc is perfectly safe then. To resolve these claims and avoid massive litigation, J&J has tried twice to offload the liabilities into a subsidiary, LTL Management, and have that unit file for bankruptcy. They've been denied this option twice in court. In October of last year, the company asked the Supreme Court to overturn the lower court rulings denying bankruptcy, and they may push forward with a third bankruptcy filing attempt. Suck it up, J&J. If you sell people a product that makes them sick, you should pay their hospital bills. You just should. This is a very lengthy and ongoing litigation with multiple layers. And after the state settlement is resolved, some of the individual filings, specifically about the cancer-causing nature of these talc products, are likely to go to court. Seems like there are going to be some really interesting trials happening in the next few months. Thank you for listening today, everyone. Have a great weekly recap tomorrow with Todd McComas and enjoy your weekend. I'll see you next Tuesday for another This Day in Crime. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today.